Here we go. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today, special bonus episode, and my guest is Mr. Austin Walsh. For those of you who don't know who this guy is, Austin is one of the 200 best ad photographers on the planet. That is not just a claim. That is validated, voted, selected among the 200 best ad photographers on the planet. To break that down numbers-wise for you so it makes more sense, there's 75.3 million professional photographers on the planet right now. And Austin is in the 200 best. So that's kind of a big deal. If that wasn't enough, he's also just a super humble guy, a very selfless leader, and just an all around great human being. So it was my pleasure to have him on the show today. I hope you guys enjoy this show with Austin Walsh. All right. And we're going. Austin Walsh, hello, sir. Hello, how are you? I am Zoom-tastic. How are you doing? <laughs> About the same. Yep. Um, so I'm stoked to have you on for a lot of reasons. We did a little catch-up, but for some people who are probably not aware, uh, much like another show I did, you and I knew each other, what do you think, roughly a lifetime ago, Yeah. Yeah, at least. <laughs> Thereabouts. And, and so it's been about 20 years, uh, given, you know, the reunion invites that we didn't get this year. You've been a pretty busy fella. I have been. Yeah, I like to keep it that way. So I'm going to start by bragging on you a little bit, okay? Because okay. If, if things have remained at all the same, you're not great about that. Um, uh, yeah. To give people just a, a snippet of who I'm talking to, Austin has been voted – one of the 200 best ad photographers in the world this year. Is that correct? Uh, it was the yeah 19 and 20 year. Yep. Okay. So yep. for people who don't understand the context of that, because you kind of just laughed it off just now and raised your eyebrows like, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. There's 75.3 million professional photographers in the world, Austin. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. That's a true statement, dude. As of like five minutes before we recorded. Wow. So, 20 years, busy fella, that's where you wind up. So I guess where I kind of want to start with, and I know a little bit of the background, but where did the, where did the photography bug come from? Like, how did that even start? I, you know, I don't know a specific aha moment, but I was always into art. I took as many art classes as I could through middle school, junior high, high school. In high school, I took the first photography class that was offered. And obviously back then it was black and white film in a dark room. You learned right. with the oatmeal can pinhole camera and all that stuff. I, I think we had two classes available and I took them my sophomore and junior year and my senior year, there was nothing else to take, but the photo teacher um, agreed to do an independent study for credit. So he basically created uh, a class that as long as I was there, doing work and uh in the dark room he'd give me credit so so were you the only person in this fabricated course yeah i mean <laughs> i think i was in there because by senior year you're only taking a few hours a day anyway so i would just kind of be in there throughout the afternoon and some of his other classes would come and go but i was just kind of heads down doing my thing so it just kind of organically developed like the love of art transitioned into photography yeah i guess it was i wasn't that good at drawing so I was like, well, if I can't draw a picture, I'll take a picture. I don't know. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so post high school, like obviously that's where we lost touch like the rest of the world. Um, so how did you know, okay, like I'm going to carry this on? Or did you immediately know when you left high school? Uh, yeah, I did not immediately know. You know, I, I thought photography was cool and it was fun, but I didn't really know what career paths that would be. Like at the time it was, I don't know, either senior portraits or a wedding. And I knew that wasn't really what I was into. So my dad at the time was living in Arizona. So I was able to get in-state tuition. So I just went to Flagstaff, uh, went to Northern Arizona university for my first year, just took general college classes just cause that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, I did take a photo class while I was there. And at one point, a guy I met, down there who was originally from Denver, Colorado was going to Denver for a weekend to visit his family or whatever. So I just rode with him as something to do. Uh, while we were there, he was doing whatever. And I toured the art Institute in Denver and 
almost signed up on the spot, but immediately called my parents and was like, yo, this is what I think I want to do. So what was it about that trip that you were like, oh, this is it? Well, uh, so that... I mean, like, were you Kodak uh, fun savoring at least during this point? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm sure I had a black and white film camera with me because I was taking photo classes in Arizona at the time. Um, and I think it was just touring that school. And it's, it's like a 11 story building right in the middle of downtown Denver. Each floor is like a different discipline, but it's not as much fine art as it is commercial art. So, um, it was different in that sense. And you, like, there was a photo studio with classes with strobe lights. Uh, you had a commercial class, there was architecture, photography, food photography. So it was like how to take photos and make money. And it was, there was business classes and all of that stuff that made it more like, Oh, this is a thing, not just a hobby. So that was the first time when the light bulb hit, you're like, Oh, so I can actually do what I love for yeah. money. Yeah. And then it was like, whoa, every magazine you look at, every billboard you look at, and you're like, wow, there is photography everywhere and somebody is shooting it and someone's getting paid for it. So, so why yeah. not you, right? Why is that? Not <laughs> yeah, <me? laughs> yes, exactly. So that was in Denver. And so you did, was it the last three or the, did you do full four in Denver? Um, so I did one full year in Flagstaff, Arizona, got all my general studies and thankfully they transferred because in addition to the photo, like you had to take a math class and all this. So I had all but one, I think I had to take like a public speaking class or something random at the art Institute. Everything else was all photo studio related and it, it was a year round program. So you went for 11 weeks and then had three weeks off. So it was just like total immersion into yeah. the the job, the culture, all of it. Yeah. And I think I don't know, at some point I ended up getting a job at the school and I worked in what was called the photo cage that was where we housed all the cameras, the darkroom equipment, the lighting. And it's where students would come rent what you needed to do your assignments. So I was either doing my assignments in class or working there around the gear. So I was just like, that's all I did. That's so all during this time yeah. <laughs> when you're in Denver, like fully immersed in photography, what it sounds like that was Austin would wake up and eat, breathe, sleep. Everything was photography. Yeah. What, what like classes were, you only had each class one time a week, but it was either from seven 30 to 11 30 or one 30 to four 30. And so <laughs> I was basically, yes, I would wake up and do it because I would stack my schedule to do all 7.30 AMs all week because you could beat a keystone in an hour and you could, I could have class until 11, 11.30, be a keystone by one snowboard. They had night riding. So <laughs> nice. you could snowboard until eight o'clock at night and come home and do it all again the next day. <laughs> and so what is, first of all, like that sounds familiar. Like that's the guy I remember. Um, so what is your support system like during all this? Or are you just out there like, I'm doing no, this? No, it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, my parents, I think they were both kind of like, dude, I don't know, but okay. You know, like <laughs> photography, really? But they weren't telling me not to do it. So that was awesome to have that support. And then uh, I don't even know if you knew this, but uh, a good friend of mine through high school was guy Ryan Taylor. And when I decided to make the move to Denver, I called him up and I was like, Hey, I'm moving to Denver. Do you want to? So him and I, he just up and did it. And so him and I were roommates. So I had at least like one person I knew there with me. And then all the friends I met there were through school. So it was like just this little cluster of photo people. So it sounds like you kind of hit the perfect storm of like school experience because, mm -hmm. you know, during the day you're getting to do, the thing professionally that you're passionate about and then you get to snowboard every night, which is not a bad thing for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is really going to start the ball rolling then. So school was good. You enjoyed that. Um, when did you, so you, I know you, we talked a little bit prior to this and you said that there was a few, like a few little gigs here and there that you took after school. Mm -hmm. What was it that finally made you go? Like, what did that look like? And then talk me through the transition to, going from like I did a few jobs to Austin wall studios. No, oh, well, it's like a 20 year progression, but <laughs> well, that's why we're here, brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, at school, well, another cool thing about it is all the professors were working professional photographers. So, um, like they taught their one class a week or their two classes a week, but other days they were out doing commercial work. And, uh, one of our teachers, um, a guy named Brad Bartholomew, I kind of connect, they're just like, we clicked and I had him a few different times throughout the years and towards the end of my school, um, I was just like, yo, can I come sweep your studio? Can I come hang out? Can I do whatever? And so he would just let me be around. And then he was doing a huge catalog job for Coors. And it was like, I don't even know if they still do this, but like if you <laughs> drank enough Coors and saved the <laughs> box tops or whatever, you could cash them in for like a sweatshirt or whatever. Basically what everything that was bad for you in the eighties and nineties rewarded you <laughs> yeah. for doing it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it was that, and he needed a second photographer. And I mean, he set it up, camera was locked off, looking straight down on a white thing. And it was just like a folded sweatshirt. Boom. Like, and so he let me do that or hired me to do that. And I was still in school. And then after that, I stuck around Denver for a while after I graduated and did a few other jobs with him before I moved back to Kansas city. And just another little snippet before we leave the school time. I started with 155 kids, like my first day of first quarter is what right. it was called. I graduated with seven. So what's, what can you attribute that attrition rate to? Cause that's pretty high. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I'm glad I didn't go straight out of high school. I had like a little bit of growing up to do. Um, and I think a lot of kids thought, Oh, I'm going to go to art school. I'm going to just like smoke cigarettes and make art. And, <laughs> Wait, that's not uh, how it works. Yeah. And then when it was like year round, quarters and like intense work. classes yeah it was work yeah you, know, every, you you had classes but you would get critiques so a lot of kids got their feelings hurt and uh i mean it was hard it wasn't easy so um so so the myth of the the art school community of like we're all gonna snap when we do a good job and yeah yeah and i mean i think that well i think that's what's different about this program is it was like a commercial art studio versus a fine art studio um, when it sounds so. a little bit like, especially with that, first of all, Brad Bartholomew's a dope name, um, <laughs> but it sounds like with that relationship that you established, like they kind of have set the stage for a little bit of like on, like during your school networking to take place. Yeah, I think so. And I think it was a good thing that I worked at school because of the people that did graduate, most of them, we were all just like the, the people that were all in. We all worked together. We shot together. We hung out together. And those are the people that now are still professional photographers today. Like, Let me was, ask you a question about that then. Cause that, so because you did the work, not just like classwork, but you were working in the cage, you were doing stuff on the side with this particular professor, like how much of doing all the, the grunt work per se, do you think has further qualified you for what you do now? I think a hundred percent. Cause you know, like there's definitely a gap in time, but when I decided to go out on my own, I mean, I was in the spare bedroom of our house. Right. And then I had a studio, but like, it was just me. So like I can do everything from load film, which I don't do anymore, but like organize no, digital not. files, <laughs> uh, but like clean toilets, clean right. the studio, right. like do the dishes after like, I guess it's that thing is like when you start here, like I can do everything that any person I hire on the crew can do for the most part. And like, now that I've gotten to the level I'm at, there are people that are way better at retouching, way better at lighting, way sure. better at a lot of things than I am. But those are the people that I work with and collaborate with so that all of our work is better. But so when it comes to dealing with your team, like, do you think that, you have a better rapport with them because of that versus having, you know, if you would usurp the system and just gotten into it. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I mean, I think that's how most photographers and directors, like you don't just all of a sudden that's what you are. Right. You definitely like go up the ranks. So um, I think there's some of that, but I think like just the hard work and dedication, the hustle, the grind is what makes it all possible. Do you think you appreciate it more because of that? I bet. I think so. I mean, I don't really, I guess I don't stop to reflect because I am just so like, just go, go, go. I guess. Grind. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. And I think that's, 
the awesome part, but also the scary part. Like every day I could never get hired for another job again. I don't know. I, out of 75.3 million, I'd say you're doing all right. Um, so, so that was the end of school. It sounds like you did like, we're super proactive when it came to networking to learning all the ins and outs and every, every widget and wing ding that went into it. And so then you touched on a little bit, like moving back to Kansas city. What did that like career wise, you know, I don't even want to touch starting a business yet because that's its whole ball of wax. Mm-hmm. Just career wise, what did it look like when you go, okay, this is what I'm doing and I'm just starting out? Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. And I guess back to my support network, I moved back to Kansas City because my girlfriend at the time, now wife, who was my sixth grade girlfriend. I was going to say that if you didn't, yeah, man, you guys have been together <laughs> <Yeah>. forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she was here. Like we bet we both crisscrossed throughout each other's lives through college and stuff and uh, lived together for a while in Arizona that first year. She came back. To, like, so I came back to Kansas city because that's where she was. And uh, I had a couple of contacts and so I hit them up, but everybody was busy and used to working with the people they're used to working with. So it was like, you don't, in photography, for the most part, you don't just like apply for a job and get it. Right. You go, you go to every photographer's studio you can find and say, this is who I am. Can I assist you? Can I answer your phones? Can I whatever? So I spent the first year or two, I retouched a bunch for a wedding photographer. I assisted for a couple of different uh, commercial photographers. I painted some houses just to make money. Cause that's make what money. I did in high school. And it was, yeah. And uh, I, I think it's still just that that grind and um, just the hustle. Of so I'm going to ask so, a rhetorical question then. And I, because I guarantee you, I know the answer, uh, but I'm going to have you expound on it at any point coming back when it wasn't like, Oh, it's just hooking up and things aren't, aren't taken off the way you probably hoped they would. Did you ever consider giving up? I don't think so. I had a feeling I mean, you'd I don't say even, that. Yeah. I don't even think that's a, thing I can ever I've not it's just not in my scope of life is giving up and so what was it even though it was hard like what was it that you would wake up and like you know you're doing you're doing apprentice work everywhere and trying to get your foot in the door like what was it every day that you're like you know what like I don't care this is what I want and I'm going to keep going yeah I mean it was hard but it was working like I was you know I got paid for everything I was doing and it wasn't a ton of money, but it was never like, ah, damn, what are we going to do next month? Right. So, um, and Leslie at the time, like she was still finishing up college, but had a job uh, at a bank. So she was making money. So we rented a tiny little bungalow in West Plaza here in Kansas city. Uh, and it was just, it was like, that's all I knew. So, and so for you, it was what we did. rather be in the industry you love then walk away from it. Yeah. That makes sense, man. I mean, (laughs) I, I totally get it. So, (laughs) so things are kind of slowly progressing. How does that, how do you go from, you know, answering phones to where we are now? Um, I think the biggest, the, the first big thing was a commercial photographer here in Kansas city named Ron Berg that I was freelancing for. He had a full-time assistant who got married and was moving out of state. And him and I had a previous uh, bizarre connection. My dad's a commercial banker. And when this guy, Ron Berg was starting his studio, like 20 years before, whenever this was, my dad gave him his first business loan. Oh, wow. So we kind of had this weird, like, connection from that and so I was in his studio freelancing and answering phones and this guy moved away and he offered me that position to be his full-time in-house assistant but that dude that was there before me was there for like nine years and he was just like that's all he did he didn't he was just an assistant and he was cool with it and he was really good I was like that's cool I will totally do this but I want to be a photographer and he's like cool because he did the same thing like when he was starting out. So he got it. So I, you know, for the first year or two, yeah, I just assisted, did whatever jobs he was, you know, I was loading his film. And I guess one good thing about my time in photography was when I was in school, 
it was when digital started. So yeah, I that was, was a weird transition, wasn't it? I, yeah. So we, you know, we had film classes, but we had digital classes. So I was taught how to organize data where as a commercial photographer that had been doing it for 20 years, like this guy, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. His backup system was so jacked up. He had like files everywhere. And so I was able to come in and be like, okay, make sense of it. And then moving forward, we had this awesome like system of management and, you know, you could find it any file at any time and stuff like that. So that put me in a really good position. And that was just from, you know, already. having grown up playing Oregon trail and Nintendo. <laughs> right. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that was my first, I guess, big break was getting a full-time job with him. And through that time I started, you know, shooting little jobs here and there. And I volunteered. Um, I was a board member on like a advertising board for people 32 and under so that was a good way to network with people in advertising and get more work. And after three or four years there, um, the jobs I was shooting and the jobs that, uh, just how it was all working. It was just like, man, the, the math, you start crunching the numbers and the way the, the pay was structured portions of my jobs were going back to his studio, obviously, because it was his studio, his equipment, his everything, his right. name on the door, which was awesome. Uh, but that amount was like, Oh, that I could pay myself that much. That could be part of rent that, could, you know? And so it was just like, start, just, start doing yeah. the goodwill hunting to what's going on here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so then so that was, was that finally, the catalyst for you to go, all right, let's figure this out. Yeah. And I think, you know, I had grown to a point where people had started calling his studio and saying, Hey, we have a job that we think Austin could do and stuff like that. Um, and so him and I had a few month long conversation about like, do I just leave? Do I stay, but rent my office as my own, like how, or do we just completely split? Right. Do we change the name? And it's like Berg and Walsh. Do, like, so we kind of, it was a somewhat of a mutual thing. And I, you know, we try to keep in touch. It's hard now, but I definitely learned a lot and appreciated so much learning. Like I thought I learned a lot in school, but being in a studio, I mean, we traveled the world when I, I was assisting him, we shot everywhere for everything really? and uh, just how to be on set, how to be around clients, how to win jobs, how to get jobs. So, yeah. And so pseudo annual split there. And so I guess then the determination ways, obviously you're going to go out on your own and create your own thing. Mm -hmm. And so even though so one thing that I, I want to point out though, and you may not have ever reflected on this yourself. Do you realize like how much of this story already is just like purely selfless on your part? <laughs> like just about everything you've said is, you know, like, I'm just always impressed by someone who's has achieved the way you have and has remained humble through all of it. Like realized it took the hard work, all that stuff. So, you know, give yourself a little credit occasionally. It'll be all right. I promise. <laughs> and so you guys decide to, to part ways. And even though you've learned a lot now, like you've got some, some good tools in your toolbox as far as what it looks like to start your own thing. Taught me through like, not just how your brain is going there, but you know, what, are you terrified? Are you worried? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think by that time, Leslie and I, we were married and we'd kind of bought our first, uh, I guess it was our second house. We were living in the second house that we like bought. And so, um, it was, it was kind of like, okay, yeah, I can't not succeed. Right. So game on. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, straight out of the gate, I got a pretty good job that was, it was for uh, Hills Pet Food, uh, Hill Science Diet. Mm -hmm. And it was this testimonial thing with real people and their pets that have like, their dog was real sick and they fed them this food and now they're better. So it was like we shot in Kansas City, Dallas, Florida, and then Spokane, Washington. So like straight out of the gate. Wow, that's like all over the place. Job. Yeah, and what's crazy is... Uh, I had done a few little ones before that and Ron, the photographer I had worked for was so nice. He let me rent some of his gear 
to do these, you know, day jobs here and there just because I didn't even own equipment yet. So then when I got this two week project, I was like, damn, that's like a lot of money to rent all this stuff, even the camera. And I was talking to my grandpa about it and he's like, Oh, well, you know, what's a camera? What do you need? And I was like, I don't know, like 10 grand would get me started. (laughs) You know, just a little camera. (laughs) uh, So he said, okay, here's my credit card number. Get your camera. It does not make sense for you to pay someone else to use their camera. And I was like, awesome. What like, and he goes, just, you don't pay. I want, you're going to pay me back. Right. right. Take your time, you know, do it next year, two years, like whatever. So I did this job and uh, I paid him back totally within six months. That's awesome. And he was dude. like, yeah, it, I think it definitely for him. He was like, whoa, okay. Cause he was still, I mean, my parents for one were like photography seriously. And then a generation above that grandparents are like, what are you even talking about? So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so like, in that moment, like, cause I don't want to just pass by that. Like, so within six months of that, you know, big investment for your grandfather, not just into your business, but like into you as a human being to be able to turn right back around and pay that off. Like, how does that feel? It was awesome. Uh, I think, yeah, that felt good to be able to do that. And, uh, another thing that he told me that was pretty cool is he's like, yeah, I never really got it, but there was this one time where, uh, we were doing this job for Toyota and we were going to shoot on Catalina Island, which is like off the coast of Long Beach. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just telling him, you know, oh, we're going to do this and we got a ferry that's going to take the land cruisers across and all of our gear and our crew. Uh, but me and the client and the agency were going to take a helicopter from Long Beach to Catalina just because it's quicker. And he's like, damn, you're taking helicopters. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> started started sinking a little bit that it's not just taking pictures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so that was your first big gig. Well, th- and, that was a different, that was like the, the pet food one was my first big one. one. Right. The Toyota thing was with Ron when I was working for his studio, but that's when I think it was for my grandpa. He was like, wow, there's like, this is a real uh, career path or a real industry. So, so like, even, helped. even though it sounds like your family has been wildly, well, as supportive as they could with the understanding mm-hmm. of what you were doing, did that ever mess with you? Like people going, what, what are you doing? What the hell are you talking about? Not really. Pictures? I mean, cause they, uh, they, they didn't really say it then. It's been talked more about now at the time it was, so you, like, didn't, you didn't know they were like, this kid's out of his mind. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a good thing to find out on the back end once you've, you know, yeah. disproven that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that would have dissuaded you at all? Had you, had you known that? Probably not. I mean, I've kind of always done my thing. Um, you know, my whole life, I never really, I I wasn't like crazy. Uh, You know, I got into my fair share of trouble and sort of like did my own thing. It was able to get this independent study class, took more art classes than math classes. And, you know, I, in high school opened a painting house painting company because I could tell it was better than the company I was working for and stuff like that. So like, I just sort of always did my thing. Another thing too, that, and I'm, I'm sure people that are in your zeitgeist now know this about you, but the listeners may not be aware. Like one of the things that has obviously remained consistent about you just as a human being is that, and it's not a negative thing. It's you don't care what other people think. Like you've always been so consistent in like, I'm going to do what I think makes sense and what's right and what's good. And I think that's a quality that far too people, like so many people are quick to let the world tell them how to be. And dude, my memory of you is you didn't care what the world said. You didn't care who was cool, who wasn't cool, who had this to wear, who had that. You didn't care about any of that stupid material crap. You just wanted to be a good dude. I, yeah, I hope so. Or I, yeah, I think so. And I think that's probably paid dividends in you to get where you are right now. Cause that's something that anyone wants to work with. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I think it's helped me. Uh, another weird thing about this profession is how many different people and other professions I get to be a part of for a day. You know, if I'm 
meeting real people on this shoot across the country to take photos of them and their pet in their home that I've never met before. Right. You know, I got to be able to connect with them or CEOs or professional athletes or, you know, celebrities that I work with or hired talent that I work with. Like I have to be able, you know, like within minutes connect and build a like some trust with and work together with. And, you know, it's something that I say quite a bit, like, you know, my previous profession took me all around the world, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We weren't shooting cameras, though. But <laughs> um, but what I found, too, and it sounds like what you're saying, like, I, I truly believe that if everyone would just shut up about themselves for a second, we'd figure out that you've got something in common with every single human being on the planet. Yep. And I think yep. it it's a credit to who you are just as a person to have realized that as early on in life as you did and to maintain that throughout the trajectory you've been on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's back to my family. Cause like my dad being a commercial banker, he was, you know, always kind of networking and doing the thing. And he would take me to like, uh, the Royals and the chiefs both had like fan days or whatever. And so he'd go and, you know, he was always like, you shake someone's hand, you look at them and you say, nice to meet you, stuff like that. Then when I was later on, my grandpa who loaned me the money for that camera, he was building houses and I would like work with him throughout the summer. And, you know, I was meeting construction worker dudes and helping out however I can cleaning floors and, you know, like just doing the stuff. And I think, and he was a Royals Lancer selling season tickets. So right. he was always like a very people person. And, um, uh, I think you know, one of the big differences I, is that like, it's not, you know, it's not schmooze. It's not disingenuous. Like, right. And there's a lot of folks, you know, in my business and in yours who I'm sure like shake your hand and smile at you, but they've got their internal monologue of all the negativity they want to say. <laughs> and I don't, yeah. and that you can read that when someone's just trying to grease the gears and you're not that type of person. Good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> so first big gig, was the science diet. Mm -hmm. And then how does the, you know, the next chunk of time work? How does that one gig snowball? I mean, cause look like, again, you are one of the worst. You're just too humble sometimes, buddy. Like <laughs> you, you have taken yeah. this love of photography and built something very impressive. So how does that happen? Yeah. So yeah, the first year I was in the spare bedroom of our house and I was just like, I got busy just cause I kind of like the ball was already rolling. And so I just like kept it rolling as I transitioned to being freelance on my own. Um, but then it was like, I would shoot during the day, try and re reply to emails, do bids for future jobs at night, you know, try and find time to do an invoice to get paid for the stuff I've been right. doing recently. <laughs> Thank God and for so PayPal. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, it was a year of that. And I finally, well, I guess, no, first I rented my first studio space in the crossroads in the Firestone building. I, I took the eighth floor of that building. Uh, and it was pretty sweet. It might've been a little bigger and a little more money than I should have gone for. But at the time, in my head, I was still trying to be my own thing, not the guy that worked for this other really good photographer right. for a long time. So I was like, I'm going to come out swinging. So I found this space and it was, it was a dump, but it was cool and fixed it up, made it look sweet. It was on the top floor, windows everywhere. Um, and it was cool and stayed busy. And then I hired my first producer to help with all the billing, the estimating and just the, the back end, the business side of things. So that was a huge step. And then, um, I, I guess, uh, the next big, big thing was transitioning from just still photography to, uh, directing motion or shooting video content. And so and that is that kind a of, natural progression you think, or is that because you're like hyper ambitious and no, I think so. Like within photography, you know, there's all these different genres. There's, people that only shoot food, people that only shoot architecture. There's car photographers. I was like a, a very lifestyle, authentic, natural looking. Like if you look at a lot of my work, it looks like it was maybe just a snapshot. Although there was probably 30 people behind the camera right. um, making it look that real. That's just my style. Um, 
And I always shot in like a storytelling way. I never shot for a single ad. I shot for like a campaign library or I wanted to. And so when Canon started coming out with cameras that shot video, I was like, that's cool. Um, And it was kind of natural for me because I already shot photos in a storytelling way. So I could shoot, you know, a one minute piece that told a story, you know, if it's like, whatever that story is. See, look again, you're doing it. You're glossing over something. You just (laughs) said when Canon came out with cameras that shot video, you were like, Oh, that's cool. No, no. That was the rest of the world's response. Oh, that's cool. But in Austin's brain, you're like, okay, here's an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause you know, it was already a thing where, you, you know, every ad I would see in a magazine, I'm like, Oh, they lit it this way. Or you watch TV, they lit it that way. And so when there was cameras that, I could understand the way that they looked and the, they functioned better. Cause like before that, it was like you either shot photos or you had like this big ass cinema camera right. that was just like, I, I didn't even know what to do. So when Canon had these cameras that I could like relate to, it made that transition a little more like attainable. So I started playing around and testing. I put out a few just like spec fake things. Um, I did a job for Garmin that was kind of a a little stepping stone. And then uh, Canon contacted me, and this was probably the biggest pivoting point. They contacted me when they were coming out with some new cameras and said, we're going across the country. We're going to stop in a few different cities, and we want people to demo these new cameras and what kind of video they can do. So here's all these cameras. Uh, Here's a guy named Whispering Danny. He's in Kansas City. Uh, do do a shoot with him. I was like, I I don't even know this guy. (laughs) So I looked him up and uh, he's a tattoo artist um, with an incredible story. And so it like only made sense to kind of like try and tell his story. So we essentially filmed what would be like the trailer for a documentary that doesn't exist. Right. But I think the key thing that I did is because I had uh, just high expectations in general and was working with, people that were great i called like as many people as i could that i thought were better than me (laughs) at (laughs) at creative at editing at music at sound and all this stuff and was like hey i want to make this thing and i think together we could make it really good not like better than i could do on my own because i still to this day i can't edit i don't even know how to use iMovie like that's just (laughs) not like that was the other thing that for me i was like I can see the story, but like there's editors that get paid tons and tons of money because they're really good at editing. I should let them edit. Uh, So I put this little team together and we made this thing, a video called, we just called it whispering Danny. Um, It, you can look it up, but it took off and it won awards. It got tons of views. It was like a viral video before that was a term. And, um, people started calling and were like, Hey, can we want you to do this whispering Danny video for us? And it was like, okay. And so that was like a big thing. And so you're two, two things for me. And that's why I didn't let you gloss over the, Oh, that's cool piece. Cause I knew where that story ended up. Um, you, the, Oh, that's cool. turns into viral before it was a thing with the same company that you thought, Oh, that's cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and the other thing for me that really stands out in that, like, you know, you laughed about it and you joked about not using iMovie and all that stuff, but I, I think it takes a ton of humility to go, you know what? I kind of suck at this thing and I don't want this product to suck. Yeah. And like how much, how much different could it have been had you not had the humility to go, you know what? I'm going to need some help on this. Like it, it could have ended up tanking. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it could have been fine, but I don't, it wouldn't have been what it is. I mean, we, the editor, the team that we put together, we've had a, another company do custom music and sound design. And I mean, it, it was awesome. Um, So then what does that do for you? I know that, you know, that I'm sure people are, I bet his business blew up because of it. So what does that do for you? Like what awards, um, what does that mean for the business? Uh, I mean, it was, I guess, a little bit of a slow burn. Like, people were into it, but at the same time, 
I had been doing this stuff like on my own. And so I still had this bit of a learning curve between the crews that I was used to working with in still photography and the crews that it takes to do like a motion, true yeah. motion production. Um, just like the, the languages you speak, the different crew members, the positions, uh, like it, it was a, it was a learning curve for me, um, to get the confidence and the information I needed and how the process worked. Cause as a photographer, you do sort of like control it from start to finish, but in motion, you know, there's, there's audio, there's, there's so many different things. There's editing, there's post-production, there's graphics. So with uh, all these new moving pieces, did you find Uh it to be like annoying? Like did it, did it foul up your vision of what you wanted or did it improve? No, it's awesome because it was, like I said, you know, there's people that get paid a lot of money to do each of those pieces of the process. And so it was just like, you have to be really good at communicating your vision and your idea. And if you communicate and you have like, a really good thing going with that editor or that sound like then they're like oh okay cool they do their thing and because they're really good they put their spin on it and that makes it even better and so it's just like very much a team collaboration and um i mean you got to be a, you got to be able to lead and communicate your vision and from there awesome stuff happens so then and because i you know I creeped on your stuff quite a bit. How do we go from whispering Danny to like, I don't know, Gatorade? Well, that's hilarious that you picked those two because (laughs) one of the guys that was really involved with whispering Danny that I called up, um, ended up being a high level creative director at the agency that had Gatorade as a client. So, you know, a little bit down the line, like it didn't just go one to the other. There's a lot of time in between and we worked on other projects in between. But uh, when he had the opportunity, you know, he put me in the mix and I was able to win a job for Gatorade. And then that sort of snowballed. So it is the, I've always said, if you surround yourself with good people, good things happen. So that was- So what, I mean, like, Cause we're looking at, so flash to bang, right? When the day that you got the, the story, the place on the top floor of the Firestone building to the day, how many years are we talking? 12 ish. So we went from, you may have shot the moon on the space, but you wanted to come out swinging to like, Oh yeah, I did a thing with Gatorade in 12 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a lot in between there, but yeah. And so what do you attribute? Cause you know, like in any industry for anyone to, to start their own thing and be as successful as you've been, like there's some commonalities, like some threads that run through all of that. What would you say are the biggest ones that you've seen? Like you said, you know, working with good people, what else is it that's, that's kept it consistently moving in the right direction? I think surrounding yourself with good people. Uh, like I still work, every day as hard as I did the first day, like I said earlier, you know, I could tomorrow never get called for another job. So I think it's that desire. And I mean, not just to get paid and do the job, but to make cool stuff. Like I, I want to work with brands like Gatorade or Nike or Jack Daniels or Modelo because it's cool, but the work that they do is awesome. Like, if you compare visually the stuff that they're putting out, it's what I want to be a part of. And so a big thing then is, is maintaining like some semblance of truth to like what you like to see as an in-state product. Mm -hmm. So had you you departed from what makes you happy may not have been as successful then. Yeah. But also I still like, I'm not going to lie. Still do projects that are less inspiring well, sure. but um, <laughs> I, I don't work any less hard or I don't try less on those jobs um, they sometimes just don't sound as cool but right. that's fine um, a lot of them look cool like I'll do work for agriculture companies and seed companies and stuff you never even knew existed and like we traveled from last last season or last year we started in South Dakota 
when they started planting corn and throughout the whole season, we like shot different phases and ended up in uh, somewhere South doing the harvest. So do you so, look I mean, at that as like a, nobody will, a fun challenge? Nobody will, oh, it's awesome. And the team we had was great. We were flying drones and riding in four wheelers. We were all over the country and most people will never see that because it's like such a niche agriculture. It's right. probably playing at a trade show somewhere, but it's awesome. Like it was really cool. I mean, I would think there would be a level of like, you know, I'm doing this project that's is seemingly uncool. I'm going to make it <laughs> as cool as I possibly can. Yeah. Well, it, I, totally. And I think, you know, any creative that works at an agency, that's their goal too. I mean, they may not think it's awesome to be on the seed client instead of the LGTV sure, client, right. it's but, not as sexy. but, but they maybe want to get to that other, like we're all trying to make cool stuff. You know, I think it's like, if you're the backup quarterback in the NFL, you don't try less because if you get that right. chance, you better nail it. And if you don't, still. And at the end of the day, you know, it, it kind of yeah. speaks to what's kept you motivated is, for that backup quarterback, even if he's sitting on the bench, he's still getting to do what he loves. Yeah. Well, and he, uh, yeah. And he's practicing as hard as he can be and stuff like that. So, uh, so what does it look like? Cause like how big is I don't your remember team the now? question we got off? <laughs> I think we, I think uh, we answered it. Yeah. I think so. Okay. Um, but ba- yeah, it was, it was, you know, what has kept it in the moving in the right direction. And it, it sounds like a big part of that is staying true to what it is you enjoy doing and, working just as hard on the things that you're not wild about as the things that you're crazy about. Yeah. And now is that something that, you know, you've had that it's been easy to inculcate in your team? Like as they come on, are they, I'm sure you vet who comes around, like they're not, you want go-getters like yourself, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, the studio itself, like on the payroll, there's only four people, but for any given job we're hiring, five to 50 people uh, crew freelance for a particular job. And so, you know, I, I said it out loud once, but the, you intentionally rebranded a little bit so that it wasn't your name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Why? That was, Why would you do that? Well, it's, we've sort of done it a couple times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so at first it was Austin Walsh photography, just cause that was <laughs> the URL I, bought in college because to graduate you had to have like a website and a business like a right. business setup uh so that's what it was because that's all i knew and then as i started transitioning to shooting video it was like well photography doesn't really make sense anymore so we called it austin hall studio it was a little more inclusive and then um another kind of i guess step was we started bringing in other photographers and directors in addition to just myself that um, like one is a food photographer. Like I said, one is a car photographer. One is really great. Uh, He lives, he lived in LA now he lives in Austin, but uh, shoots tons of celebrities and portraiture. So some of our clients here were needing more niche things than what I could do or we were busy and we, so we then changed it to aw studio um so that if we put up these other people for jobs or as we talked about the fact that we had other people they didn't seem like less than me we're all equals so like if we could go back in time we would just call it whatever studio so that my name wasn't attached to it so okay and i I knew that was your answer but i wanted you to say it out loud because now i want you to explain (laughs) the mechanism in your because i think it's awesome i really do like the credit sharing thing, what makes your brain go? I don't want all eyes on me. I don't want it to just be my thing. I want everyone to get equal billing and because it's something you created. So what is it that makes you go? No, I want to share this out. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was something that I was like, Hey, you know what? I want to help all these guys out, which that would have been nice to do. But I think it was more the fact that Katie, the, our executive producer here, like people love working with her. Agencies love working with her and the team that we put together. But like the higher level agencies and clients, the more expectations they have, the more like, it's just harder. I would never get hired to shoot a, a 
hamburger for Sonic because that's just not what I do. Right. But there's a lot of agencies that we work with that are shooting hamburgers for different brands every day. So, hey, we should get a guy that is awesome at shooting hamburgers. Okay, we got that guy. You know, I'm not going to get called for a job for um, – uh, it was like and, I, and I understand the business yeah. side of it. Why you would want yeah. to outsource people who have a particular skill set that maybe you're not yeah. interested in or don't have. That doesn't make me understand why you take your name out of it. Uh, because I didn't want our clients to think if they call our studio for a hamburger project and they get a a reel or a portfolio from someone that isn't Austin Walsh. You're like, wait, who's this guy? Like, is he a backup or we don't like, it just like, I don't know. Okay. I'll let you pretend it was all business yeah. motivated. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. For anyone who's listening, uh, it's because he's humble. Okay. So, <laughs> so what's next? Cause I, I know you well enough to know that you're not even close to done. Ooh, yeah. Um, I guess um, if you could pick, you know, in five years, who do you want to work with? You haven't worked with. Um, I think Nike is a pretty big one. I've I mean, never heard of them. Be, what do they do? Yeah, I know. <laughs> that would be a pretty sweet one. Um, but I mean, I, I really don't know. There's a lot of things that are, have happened in the past year and are about to happen. Hopefully with um like I, I, a couple of years ago a year or two joined with a, a much bigger production company based in chicago but they have offices in la new york detroit uh and tokyo and so that put me so at one point also along the way i kind of the aw studio kept growing and it was doing its thing so as much as we were trying to like give that its own identity, I wanted to make sure I, as my own director and photographer, kept my own individual identity. Sure. So I kind of created a, I mean, it's just austinwalsh.tv. So it's just like the work that I want to be doing and want to be showing. And so on a much more national level, this other production company called Dictionary Films, uh, they represent me as a director on a much more national level so that's opened up a lot of projects so is that like you seem pretty excited about that mm -hmm. it's cool like um i'm just in the conversation for more work so you're trying to I be low-key i got you i got you <laughs> <laughs> no i just like uh you know being based in kansas city i was able to work on big brands if the brand had an agency in kansas city right. and then luckily kansas city blew up about 10 to 15 years ago and in Kansas city, I mean, there's Walmart, Gatorade, uh, Sonic, uh, Wendy's Garmin is here. So like there's some heavy hitters just here in Kansas city. So that was great. It's but good timing for yeah, where everything started. But I wasn't, I wasn't getting very many calls or jobs that were out of this like sort of Midwest bubble just because I wasn't even on that, that radar, really? not even close. Yeah. So how does that ceiling work then? Like what is it, is it really just getting the, the eyes of an agency like this or. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if I sent a, a promo or portfolio just blind to an agency in New York, you know, if it's really good, Oh, cool. Someone might stick it on their wall. And if the f perfect project comes around, maybe they'll think of me again, but these this other company like they have relationships built with those agencies right. so they can be like hey if you have any work like this you know we got a guy or these agencies send a project to them and are like who do you have that fits this be like, so oh, how well, did that conversation start then um it started in a really funny way um three or four years ago i bought what is our current studio building now in the crossroads um and at the time, this company, it's a convoluted story. Anyway, <laughs> those are the best. Yeah. Um, in Chicago, this company, Dictionary Films, I mentioned, they are the production division of a bigger company called Cutter Studios that they do world-class editing, post-production, sound, 
video, like the last Super Bowl, they had like five or six spots that they were oh, wow. on in it. So like they're the real deal. They were setting up a remote office in Kansas City. They just wanted one edit suite. I just bought this building. And so we built out a room for them. Um, well, now they have four full-time edit suites. They're busy. They have a legit footprint in Kansas City now. So by that just conversation of we knew a mutual person along the way that put us in contact they started leasing space and i was like hey by the way i'm a director so can i do some of this stuff and they're like okay but like within the first year we booked a handful of jobs and then it it has just sort of snowballed and it's a great uh partnership both ways another great example of like you know you cultivating relationships and that you know no one's temporary and no one's unimportant i think is probably how that ended up paying off for you yeah. I mean, it was a, a producer that I'd worked with here that had worked with them on other jobs too. So when they mentioned to him, Hey, who should we talk to in Kansas city? He said, Sky Austin's a, a good dude and just has a, a new building. So it was a perfect timing all the way around. So last question I'm going to ask you, and it's only because I feel like she deserves credit for hanging out with you since sixth grade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Throughout all of this, I, I, you know, I think that's one of the things that is important to take away. Um, you and I have that in common. Like we've both been with the same person for most of our adult life or even before our adult lives <laughs> yeah. began. And yep. I just think that that is a, an important piece to mention because that's kind of the character of who you are. We kind of touched on a second ago, but like no one is disposable to you. And I think if there was a, no better example, it's you and your relationship with your wife. Yeah. Um, we definitely have had each other's back through everything. Um, getting jobs, not getting jobs, uh, family and, uh, all the crazy stuff that I want to do. She tells me I'm crazy, but she sticks by it. That's what you want. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Um, no, she's awesome. So and so you can usually tell, and I, I've got a similar situation, obviously, because I do a lot of crazy. And you can usually tell by the look on their face when they say you're crazy if it's like, mm-hmm. am I legitimately crazy? Or is that like yeah. the endearing crazy that you've come to know? <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, what do you got, man? Tell everybody where they can find you all blasted out. Social links, websites. Uh, yeah, I'd say awstudio.com would be... Uh the bigger studio that shows the work of myself and all the other cool people that are coming and going through here. And then austinwalsh.tv is where I show um, the stuff I'm really excited about uh, personally. And um, yeah, social media, you can find me there to stock you up Um, stock. Yeah. All those links are on all those websites. Um, that's it. I don't know what else. Uh, you got you got any final takeaways? Any big nuggets of wisdom for up and coming photographers or just people who don't want to be terrible human beings? Yeah, I don't. I mean, for photographers, it's not easy. Uh, it's hard, but it's fun, and there's a there's a lot out there. I think that's what's I've learned the most, and um, especially going into the you know commercial production and video side of things, there are so many jobs that people probably don't know exist and if even if you aren't the photographer or the director there's 30 other people on the crew and you're still part of making the commercial happen or the movie happen like a movie that's a whole nother level there's hundreds of people that's like above my deal but um and even on the advertising agency side of things like there's creative directors art directors copywriters producers um, proofreaders. So like there are many ways to get into the creative industry by not just being the photographer or the director. And at the end of the day, I mean, I would imagine that like you did doing all the other stuff, it's, you know, it's twofold. It's going to help you with your credibility when it is your own thing. And two, it, I mean, I would imagine it's good, like resume material. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't made a resume since I like applied for a part-time job. Well, your portfolio is your resume. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But just having that experience is probably pretty invaluable. And so 
don't say no to the gig just because it's not the exact thing you want. The yeah, moment. that's the other. Yeah, I've done so many free projects, not be, I mean, because it improved my portfolio or because the person was really creative or, um, who knows, like, I love big jobs. I love free jobs. I shoot my own stuff, like self-funded just because if I'm like, I want to work for Nike. Okay. Well, I'm going to produce a shoot on my own. That looks like something Nike would want to do. Um, and so, yeah. So just keep going. Just, and stay, (laughs) stay a little asymmetrical in your thinking and make sure that you're not. Yeah. Stay, stay, uh, open-minded and flexible and fluid because if i said i was only going to be a photographer i would probably be out of business just because of the way the industry changed and morphed and um a young guy that said nope i'm not gonna i'm just gonna be a photographer like okay dude good luck the other thing too like you know what i hear a lot of is make a way I mean, shoot, if you take it all the way back to high school, man, there wasn't a class. You made a way. And so <laughs> yeah. that's pretty yeah. awesome. That's pretty awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Yep. So, well, good show, sir. I appreciate you being on. Yeah. Thank it's you. It's a good one. It's a good one. Reaching out. Yeah. Um, I'll keep listening and uh, look forward to more stuff coming out from you. All right. That was it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, like I said at the beginning, great guy, right? Austin Walsh, superhuman being uh, humble to the point where you've got to like, Hey, Austin, say something good about yourself, which is not a bad quality to have, right? Super humble guy. So please, you know, check him out, go to AW studios, go to Austin Walsh TV, check him out on social, find him, hire him. He's a fantastic human being. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. I know I enjoyed it and I will talk to you next time.